This is a warning to all living mortals that on the 13th of December, Moose will release 13 of the most terrifying interviews of horror unto the world. It's your holiday horror host here, Moose. Take this time and head over to electronicmediacollective.com and catch up on all of our old episodes of Moose's Monster Mash. But come back on December 13th for the start of Moose's 13 horrifying days of Christmas. That's right, 13 brand new episodes in the month of December leading up to our season two premiere. And until then, horror hounds, mash on. The episode which you are about to hear is an account of the horror which befell a small Kentucky town, in particular, the town of Lexington. It is all the more horrifying in that the residents knew what lay in store. But had they lived very, very long lives, they could not have expected, nor would they have wished to see as much of the mad and macabre as they were to see that weekend. For them, an idyllic autumn weekend became a scare fest. The events of that weekend led to one of the scariest conventions in the annals of American history. Scarefest Weekend 14. Hey, this is Nick Benson. You're listening to Moose's Monster Mash. For another all new episode of Moose's Monster Mash. I'm your host, Moose, and that noise behind me isn't just random sounds, it's the sound of thousands of ghosts and ghouls, monsters, and all forms of the macabre descending onto Lexington, Kentucky for Scarefest Weekend 14. Let's see what it has in store. All right, so I'm here with the Twirling Twins Entertainment ladies. Get to introduce yourself. I'm Caitlin. And I'm Abigail. And you guys are silk acrobatic, uh, ac- acrobaticists. <laughs> so there's a word. Yes, aerial acrobatics is kind of the broad term. Yeah, that word. Yes, uh, circus, I guess. Yeah, circus mm-hmm. arts. Or <laughs> so you do a lot of horror conventions, or like, is it just like you, you do a lot of conventions and just kind of theme it wherever you go? Uh, yeah, it's kind of whatever the theme of the convention is, is what we do, so. Like, what other uh, kind of themes do you tend to work around? Uh, we do lots. We do weddings. We've done parties before, corporate events. Um, kind of a lot of, like, kids stuff. Like, yeah. we'll do, like, as far as, like, outdoor festivals, like, in mm-hmm. the springtime, like, just kids' art festivals and, like, stuff like that. That kind of thing. Oh, nice. And if people wanted to check you out online or, like, say, book you for something, where can they look you, look you ladies up? Uh, we're on Instagram, Twirling Twins Entertainment, uh, TikTok, uh, and then we have a website, but yeah. that's on our Instagram. You can Google us, too. It's all Google. <laughs> 
So yeah, definitely check these ladies out. It's a hell of a show. And if you see them at your local convention, be sure to stop by and say hi. Okay, so we have Derek with the Deadbolt Mystery Society Murder Mystery Box Company. And just looking at this table, there is a lot of murder mystery boxes. Derek, why don't you tell us a little bit more about it? Uh, so we make murder mystery games, and these are your chance to sit at your kitchen table and solve anything from a paranormal investigation to a serial killer on the loose and everything in between. So basically everything you need to have like an escape room in your own home shipped right to you. Absolutely. Uh, we started as an escape room company, so we have a lot of a heavy puzzle-solving component. Um, so it's not just reading a story and making a deduction. You are a part of the, the journey. So we have embedded audio and video files. We have props, maps, photos, any kind of evidence you can imagine. Everything self-contained in the box. And I would imagine this isn't just something you can get here at the convention. Where can people get these and get them shipped to you? Because there's a lot of uh, experiences that I'm looking at here on the table. I mean, there's trick-or-treat. Lair. I mean, there's many, many different experiences. Yep, so you can find us at deadboltmistersociety.com. Um, we have a monthly subscription service. You can get a brand new box shipped straight to your door. We also have our, all of our one-time boxes available, so check us out. You heard it, folks. Check them out. Solve your own mystery. What would a convention be without panels? Here's Rob Mello, Dave Sheridan, and the folks from Blood Moon Pictures talking about indie films. Intoxicants. And we're handling Well, while we're waiting on our Hey, since we're talking about independent filmmaking, yeah. and then John Carpenter was brought up, a lot of people don't know this, and want to make a movie. John Carpenter will score your movie for $3,000. He's, he's about $3,000 to score your movie. Because right now at his age, all he wants to do is sit at home and make music. Because that's a huge passion. As you know, he scores all his own movies. Well, you can get John Carpenter for about three grand. He'll spend a day making your music. <laughs> Because he's, he's very prolific on those keyboards. And you're going to get the John Carpenter sound, but um, I'm throwing it out there. He loves to do that. That's what he wants to do nowadays. So I'm curious, just to get us to keep the conversation going, at what point, what was the bug that bit you? Because we always know that there's not a ton of money in this. There's not always a ton of money in this. So what was it? What got you going? Each one of you, that either that movie or the thing that happened to you in your life that set you down this path? Uh, poverty. I ain't bullshit. Uh, I was working, uh, I was living in Tampa Bay, uh, working two jobs. I was cooking at one joint and waiting tables at another, and we were stealing from the, the water bill to pay the electric bill, and it was just a cyclical route down. And I recognized it ahead of time because I'm Aquarius. And, uh, so I had one day, and I'm cruising through Craigslist for, you know, they got sign spinners on the side of the road and shit like that. And I was just like, I, I gotta find something. And I came across this, this ad, this guy was looking for actors and extras and shit. And I was like, I was in a couple plays in high school, you know, and it was really fun. And that's just basically, that's, that's the thing that kickstarted. But when, when I was on set, you know, the very first film I ever did, I, I, I was I was a high school guidance counselor. And I just, uh, it was picking up a phone, having a conversation with nobody, and then talking to this kid. And the director afterwards was like, you know, we're having a beverage. And he's like, dude, you might not 
get rich and famous doing this, but you can pay the fucking bills and not work so hard at life doing it. And I'm like, okay, well, how do I do that? He's like, I don't fucking know. Go figure it out. And so I did. And, but uh, fortunately, I, I got a lot of good advice from well-meaning people when I first started. And that, that's kind of what I, I try to do now. I, I try, I, I, when, when people are asking advice, you know, how, how do you get into it? How do you do that? You're not going to be able to do it the way I did it. But you do have to go to class because it's an art. You have to learn. Yeah, I mean, you can watch Bob Ross all you want, but you're not going to be able to whip out a fucking painting in a half hour like Bob Ross. That takes years of training and practice and practice. Isn't and that practice. the point of the Bob Ross show, though? You whip it out? Yeah, no. It, 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 well, for me, Bob got me into painting and got me into, you know, really exploring my creativity. So, I mean, I, 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 I paint, I write, I act, I, I play the drums. I mean, I. I Anything to distract me from the horrors of, you know, normalcy and reality in this horrible fucking place. Yeah, I'm gonna do it. Bob Ross got me into willingness to accept my sharks in my pants as Bob, happy accidents. Bob Ross got me into fucking afros, man. Enjoy the day. Bob was awesome. Can, can we all just say that? Bob was fucking Bob Ross is a god. He's, he had great hair. That's what I'm saying. I mean, he, he, oh, he, wait, this is like a pop up shirt. I guess with me, it was, um, I don't even know how it started. I was young, and my dad would let me stay up on weekends and uh, watch the Elviras. Oh, there, can you hear me now? Sorry. Watch the Elviras, uh, the, the late night horror people that showed some of the worst B movies in the world. But I was fascinated by not normally by the story or by the scare, but the special effects in them really got me hooked on watching horror movies. And as I got older, uh, I continued to watch them. But when Halloween came out, Hook, Line, and Sinker, anything Carpenter does, I'm in love with. Um, so I got into theater. Um, I was doing makeup in the background. I was doing sets. I was acting. I mean, I didn't do the music like you did, but I just started doing a little bit of everything. And I, I didn't go to school for it, but I did take classes uh, in high school, and, and I did go to college for it. Uh, but I ended up dropping out and not doing that. So um, I kind of got out of it, and in the later life, still followed hard and started to get back into it. And met this gentleman in my hometown, and. Uh, I begged him to let me help out, and for nine years now, we've been working together, and I'm learning every day. It's not a class, but it is a class. When I'm on set, I'm still learning, even though I'm doing the job. I'm still learning what I did wrong last time, how I should be doing it now, and how I should be doing it later. And uh, it stresses me the hell out, <laughs> but at the same time, I freaking love it. I mean, it's stress I deal with, but I, I, I don't think I can do anything else. I mean, we have normal jobs. We're not like these guys that are doing this for a living. I wish we were. It's where we'd like to be, but it's more just a passion of what I want to do. Um, so I deal with the stress, the lack of sleep, and being away from my wife and her being cool about it. But I guess I'm, I'm rambling here, but just Halloween is what got me hook, line, and sinker of wanting to do this. Um, and been striving to do it ever since. Yeah, you definitely, definitely need a, a good support system. Oh, absolutely. You know, people that support you and, and what the thing is that when when you see what you want to do nobody else is going to you manifest that shit you 
put the legwork in, you work your ass off, and it'll happen. And the people that stuck by your side get to enjoy the fucking benefits. How is the best way to get your script out there to people? Yeah, so you're, you've written a script and you want to get it out to people. Right, right. Network. What you're, what you're doing right now, you network with people, you make friends, you work with each other, and people grow comfortable with each other. Uh, they say Hollywood's really incestuous for a fucking reason. You know what I mean? You've got to kind of... I, I, I'm anticipating you don't want to be... It would be great to be in Hollywood, but no. You just want to get it out. So find like-minded people and connect and get the shit done. Yeah, I would start within your community and, you know, look on Craigslist or whatever else there is listing for films being Facebook. shot. Short Facebook, films, Facebook's whatever, really you, you know, you meet the director, you meet a producer in the area and then you work it that way, like you're already doing with the TV show in Richmond, you said or something, but, but the good news is with independent film, to get your leg in, there's no better one than horror. Because horror is where 90% of the independent movies are made, you know. There's not a lot of independent comedies being made, even though I, I do a lot of comedy. I'm in the horror business now because that's no. where the business of, of doing it is. I'd like to say one thing about studio films and independent films on the studio level, which I just did, that was a $60 million movie, the Netflix one. That's one where they don't let you in until you prove who you are, but independent filmmaking is everyone gets in until you prove who you are. <laughs> and then you get you kicked out. That guy's an asshole. So you get your shot here, and then rock it, you know what I mean? Yeah, like just now, uh, as an aside to him, I was like, dude, while, while Homeboy was talking to media whore, while he was yapping, I'm like, dude, I got a script you gotta fucking check out, dude. And, yeah, so just connect, connect with people, be, be your genuine self, and... It's cold over. You know what I'm saying? I, I don't have a whole lot, much more to offer than what they told you in terms of advice, but when I started doing this back in 2008, seriously, um, the resources that are here now, the convention scene that's here now with all the different filmmakers did not exist. So, I mean, it was a complete struggle, but just all the opportunities that exist now, it's what, it's what he was saying. Back in my day. Network, network, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, I sounded old there for a second, but uh, um, yeah, it's just talk to people. You have to find people, just do your movie. Do your web series, do your project, get yourself out there because it's a learning process. Most people don't just jump right onto, you know, like making $60 million Netflix. Like you have to start somewhere. And if you wait around and just try to shop it and just wait and wait and wait, it's the same thing with actors. I know a lot of actors yeah, if are. If you like, wait, it ain't never going to get fucking made. Right. And like do it these actors now. who do SAG but now won't do anything independent. I mean, I know there's penalties and stuff. But there's so many SAG actors that are on an independent level that are sitting around not doing anything. And we know all these other actors that aren't SAG and they're getting all this experience. That's what it's about. The yeah. more experience you get, the better you're gonna get at it. One way or another, make, make it happen. And it's 90% sweat and hard work and your balls are gonna get in the twist. And, but in the end, 
when you're done, you can watch it, sit back and say, I fucking did that. You did. You gotta go to the source. Go to the people that are making movies like what you have. You know, you're not gonna send a zombie movie to the writer of As the World Turns, you know, like a TV show, or, you know, like Another World about teenagers. So you see who, wow, I like their work and they're making stuff in my genre, then you take it to them, because that way you're limiting, lowering that thing of like, this is a stretch. Targeting, you know? yeah. What I, what I would do, what I would suggest is when, uh, when, you're, when you're ready, when you feel you're ready, you know, I've written 10,000 fucking scripts, but the one, Tin Roof, I registered it with the WGA, uh, Writers Guild. Copyright your shit. Yeah. Because Sylvester That's Stallone yeah. is still getting fucked. Rocky. Right. And that was born the year Rocky came out. What the hell's going on now? Oh, yeah, well, so the stuff. WGA, oh, the Writers Guild, anybody, really like just to let you know, anybody can register, register your shit with the Writers Guild. It's about 20 bucks. Yeah, and so if somebody steals your shit, you can be like, oh, thank you yeah. for that $50 million. I'll write the next script now. So I'm walking through the convention and I see this sign that says, Awesome Space Music. And it dances. So I had to stop. Would you like to tell me more about your awesome space music? Well, the music might make you feel as though you're in outer space. And um, if you can, I don't know if you're able to scan the uh, titles here. Um, our prices are quite reasonable. We're here at uh, Scarefest Weekend in Lexington, Lexington Kentucky. And uh, the mu- like I said, the music might make you feel as though you're in outer space. I'm not the musician actually uh, doing the CDs. I just run the record company. Now, a lot of these um, discs here that, I've, that you see, I've um, arranged to have pressed on my own record label. Though there are a couple of titles here that I've procured through like-kind exchanges with other record companies in other countries. Oh, nice. And uh, what's the name of the record label? The record label is Horizon Music. Uh, the website is HM, that's H is in Horizon, M is in Music, and then the word network, hmnetwork.com. Uh, we're located out of the uh, northwestern suburbs of Chicago. And you can get all of these on the uh, website? Yes, you can. We've also got MP3 samples for downloading. That's awesome. And yeah, listeners, this is very soothing and it makes nice background music. Some people might uh, consider it to be that, but uh, there are some other titles here that are a little bit more, um, a little bit more intense, a little bit more industrial sounding. Um, there's quite a bit of variety here. Now, the disc that we're currently hearing is by a French duo called Lightwave, and um, interestingly enough, this disc was originally released in the late 1990s on the Hearts of Space record label. Before that record label uh, ceased operations, we re-released, we reissued it. Uh, Oh, back in 2005-2006. Some of the other artists that we're selling are um, British synthesist Steve Jolliffe, who had a couple of brief stints in Tangerine Dream, the German electronic rock duo. Um, Also, uh, interestingly enough, uh, there's one disc here by the late great Conrad Schnitzler, who was on the first Tangerine Dream album and is a a big-time pioneer in the field of industrial and electronic music. Well, I'm going to let you get back to your table. Listeners, make sure you uh, look for these uh, awesome CDs and pick up some awesome space music. You can look us up at uh, hmnetwork.com. All right, I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for having me here. So, 
standing at the table of Killers the Card Game with John, you can say your last name, so I don't screw it up. So it's Jeff Ignatowski. I screwed it up anyway. <laughs> yeah, I don't know where the John came from, so... It's okay, that's my confirmation name. I'm, I'm looking at this table, and I'm def- interest has definitely peaked. What's uh, Killers the Card Game? So, Killers the Card Game is an RPG-style game, kind of a cross between D&D and Magic the Gathering, uh, where you get a stable of five killers. The goal is to get ten kills or be the last killer standing. So, you do that by abducting and killing your victims, uh, by stopping everybody else that's playing the game and fucking them over as much as possible, uh, and getting all of your kills before they can. Well, and seeing some familiar faces, Gacy and Dahmer and Bundy, and I'm wondering, has you know the popularity of the game gone up since some of their like documentaries and stuff come out at all? Or absolutely. So you know, it goes up, and it kind of is, uh, you know, it goes up. But then there are also more people that come out of the woodwork that are uh, now offended by all of the things, which is uh, our lovely culture that we live in. So where can people pick up this lovely? Uh dive down the rabbit hole of murderers and mayhem so we have a link tree so you can go to link tree backslash killers tcg that will take you to all of our social media our website our clothing company called killers clothing company uh as well as everything else that we do and i I noticed you have uh information about the cold case foundation do you want to talk about that while we're here Yeah, so the Cold Case Foundation, they are a foundation that is out there trying to raise money so that they can equip the police to be able to go out there and solve a lot of these different cold cases. That way they are able to really give back and help the families find closure to a lot of these different cases that are out there. So we donate a portion of our proceeds to them uh, because... The game was always about awareness to begin with. Uh, We never want to glorify anything that any of these killers are doing because, let's face it, they're all pieces of shit to begin with. No, exactly, right. And you you can't go around glorifying pieces of shit, but you can make money off them and donate some of it to a good cause. So, listeners, head over to their link tree, pick up the uh, game, and dive into the world of a serial killer absolutely come and check it out i wrote bloodlines as a standalone because all my other books my epic fantasy my military science fiction my science fiction adventure those are all either series or collections i wanted to prove to myself i could put the whole story in one book and i did that and i was really happy for about six months i'm talking with dennis young who you just heard say he put all of his story into one book, except one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen. It's he doesn't say which one book he puts the story in. So now that you've heard about bloodlines, let's talk about Julie. Well, Julie is the book that was not supposed to have been written because Bloodlines was a standalone. But she kept talking to me. She said, you told the story of who I was. Now you have to tell who I am. Bloodlines is Julie in 1944, World War II, the Normandy invasion. Julie 
is Julie today, 76 years later, still 16, still a vampire. And do you know what happens when you write one book that was not supposed to have been written? You write another one. So a character arises in the book Julie, and I said to myself, I can write a story about that character someday. Well, boom, less than a year later, I have a third book in what was not supposed to have been a series, but has turned out to be. <laughs> so, as an author, do you, which do you prefer more, like the, the horror, the like sci-fi, the military, the, um, I guess, medieval fantasy? It's epic fantasy. It's just to, somewhere between Lord of the Rings and Game of Thrones. I just don't kill everybody. So, it, that's a hard question because my, you, my usual favorite is the one I'm working on at any given time. But if I was going to pick one series that I had the most fun writing, I would probably have to say my military science fiction because I wrote it with no filter. And where can listeners order your books at? Because I mean, there's, there's a lot to choose from. I'm on Amazon. You can get me on Amazon, either paperback or Kindle. All of my books are on Kindle except the uh, compendiums, which have a lot of art and small pictures, and it doesn't transfer real well to Kindle. Or you can contact me directly through my website, www.authordennisyoung.com, and I will sell you the books over, over my website. I take PayPal online. I will sign the books and send them to you. Awesome. Well, thank you, Dennis. This has been fun. Got to keep meandering and see what else, see what other kind of trouble I can get into. Well, I'm sure you can find some trouble to get into, too. <laughs> Thanks a lot for stopping. So we couldn't go through day one without stopping by to hear the voice of Scarefest, the, 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 the man behind the announcements, the host of Scarefest TV, Mr. Wes Forsyth. Hello, everyone, and welcome. And I hope you got to enjoy the show, too, because... I didn't. I'm working my rear end off. Yep. Trust me, it's gone. It's gone. Yeah, it was gone. I'm walking my ass off. Uh, a lot going on this weekend. Like, what, what are you most excited about? Uh, going home at this point. Um, <laughs> I'm tired. I'm going to admit it. Actually, I hate to admit it. I'm going to be making my Scarefest karaoke uh, premiere tonight. I've ne I've only sang karaoke or karaoke if you want to use the real name once in my life, and yes, I was drunk then too. Uh, but tonight I've uh, I have committed to singing uh, Shania Twain's "I Feel Like a Woman," and um, I'll join you. Okay, cool, great. And uh, and Jake Godbold, one of our fans, has made me promise that I will sing a duet with him, but he won't even clue me in on it. But I do have plans on doing at least a little bit of karaoke. Now, you've heard my voice. This is as good as it gets. I don't have a singing voice. <laughs> well, I was talking with karaoke's co-host, uh, Rob Mello, earlier. Yeah. And just a forewarning to anyone, he did threaten to beat up anybody who drunkenly sings strawberry wine. I wouldn't do that. <laughs> no, that... This goes back to the Blues Brothers when they sang uh, Stand By Your Man. Right, yeah. And, and I said, well, you know, okay, I can't just copy them, but what is the most feminine song that I can think of? Man, I feel like a woman <laughs> every time. No, you're right. Yeah, and that it's become like a karaoke classic at 
and it's always guys. So okay, well, I hate to copy everybody, but you know, I'm, hey. I, you do what you do. Right. So this is fourteen. You know, fourteen years. Yes. This is yes. We've been doing this con fourteen years. Uh, of course, now I've been here everyone one, to everyone, but the first year. I found out about second year came fell in love with it been here ever since in one capacity or another started out as a guest started running a booth and then next thing you know i was here long enough they said hey let us give you a job so now i'm here now we would have been on our 15th year by now but covid and this this convention's fucking huge this might be our best Friday ever. I'm going to tell you the truth. Because we're in the new convention center. Last year we had the floor plan laid out where it really kind of, the crowds didn't, it never seemed that crowded last year, especially on Friday. We had a few bottlenecks you're going to. Of course. But as far as the convention center itself, of course, it's all remodeled, all brand new. Um, we decided we had an, we, our ticket sales would uh, support it, that we could add some vendor space, bring in some extra vendors, and you can see the aisles, even the shopping aisles. It's not just Celebrity Road, which is, wow, it's really getting packed right now. Um, I mean, we've got good traffic all through the building. Um, and it, for, and this is Friday. This so is yeah, our this slow is day. This is just day one. I this mean, is slow day. Yeah, anybody who's ever gone to a convention knows this. Uh, somebody asked me in one interview, said, well, what would you all do if Robert England canceled? And I said, don't you even say that. Would all change into our brown pants. <laughs> I got that reference. <laughs> but I'll, I'll catch back up with you after a while, Wes. Great, great. I'm here all weekend. Well, and... And create new ones. I say, and, you know, what, what would a convention be without toys? And you have everything here from, like, Sailor Moon to uh, Devil's Rejects. And, I mean, there's just the, the variety of what you have sitting here is phenomenal. Thank and you. And so you guys are... D's Vintage Toys and Collectibles. Where are you guys uh, located out of? Oh, we're out of Indianapolis, Indiana. And you guys sell online and stuff yeah, like that? Yeah, yeah. D'sToysShop.com. We're on eBay and whatnot and Macari. We use D's Toys Shop as our tag. And you're going to be having another store soon. Yeah, yeah. We're about to open up another store at our, um, our premium outlet mall in Edinburgh. Um, along with uh, brands like Nike and Adidas and stuff, so we're right next to the big dogs. Well, and you're you're, you're packed with you know NECA and stuff like that. So I mean, it's oh yeah, from 70s to modern day. I mean, we do Star Wars, GI Joe, Transformers, Mask. Um, we got comics and trading cards, Pokemon, Magic, up to present day, all the NECA, Mezco, McFarlane stuff like that that they're making out today. Say, so just looking at this, you're you're like a toy hunter's dream. I mean, you this giant uh freddy staring at me with like urkel eyes like that looks like an old urkel doll that they repainted to pretty, be pretty freddy. much yeah it does doesn't it yeah it's from that same time frame it's it's from the 90s so it's yeah. actually creepier than freddy krueger himself <laughs> it is it is so listeners go online check out their stuff because this is just a fraction of what they have so good god yes yes thank you check us out so, I, li- listeners, I came around the corner and about lost my footing. It got a little uh, slippery over here. You might, might say it got a little greasy, a little oily, a little greasy. I found Michael St. Michael's from the Greasy Strangler. Michael, how we doing? 
Uh, that's debatable, but I'm doing rather well. It's uh, been a very smooth uh, event, and I'm really honored to be here and meet fans. A very slick weekend? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Uh, I, I find that uh, I've been able to slide in and out of everything so far. A lot of uh, greasy uh, Strangler fans out here? Seems to be three that I know of uh, that came all at once. You know, so we had a, a, a busy swamp. Oh, yeah. Well, and I, I feel I have to uh, give credit where credit is due. Um, I learned about this movie. <laughs> See, I learned about the Greasy Strangler through uh, a friend of our show um, and a good friend of mine, Mikey Taylor. Uh, he's like, you need to check out this movie. You need to check out this movie. He would not shut up about it. So finally I watched it to shut him up, and I'm like, oh, this is fucking great. So... <laughs> um, what would you say was the funnest part about Greasy Strangler? Uh, rapping. Uh, when it was over, that was... You know, <laughs> I really enjoyed doing... Uh, 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 this guy, whose name I can't remember, Jody. Uh, Jody, because uh, I didn't know I was Jody until the night before we oh, no. shot it. Uh, well, I didn't actually get a script until after I had the part. Uh, so, uh, and I was just, you know, frantically trying to learn what uh, Big Ronnie was saying. And uh, then when I heard I was uh, Jody the next day, it got a little weird because I hadn't read any Jody. <laughs> and it was more fun to shoot because everything fell off all the time. Whatever take we had, either a nail came off, the mustache fell off, the teeth fell out. Uh, it was just, you know, <laughs> a real big um, Speaking of weird to shoot, I'm looking at your pictures here. And there, there's... One that just kind of hangs out in front of the crowd. It's uh, not even that one. It, it, it's how, how awkward was it uh, filming with, uh, I guess, not so little Michael hanging out? Oh, it wasn't bad. It was like, you know, they, they asked me if I'd do nudity, and I've never done it before, but I said, sure, you know, I don't care as long as I don't look at it. I didn't realize how many times I see this thing. But uh, then... Uh, the first time I saw it, I was appalled because you have an image in your head, and that wasn't what I saw on the screen. But by the next day, I thought, well, in 10 years, I'm going to wish I looked that good. <laughs> forever be immortalized at one point, like three years in. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, this has been a blast. I'm going to let you get back to doing you, and I'll connect with you again in the future. Please do. Thank you very much, sir. Thank you. Around the corner, and I see actor James Stoke. He's Stokes. I apologize. Jeez, I am terrible with names today. Reunion from Hell 1. Reunion from Hell 2. Hell's Half Acre. Adrenaline. 13 slays uh, to Xmas, which I need to have you on to talk about at some point, but more on that later. Macabre. Jason Voorhees. Voorhees, Night of the Beast. And... You have a movie premiering tomorrow night. 
I do. It's called Slasherverse, and it is a combination of five different movies from Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, Halloween, uh, Scream, and Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It's going to be premiering at 11.30 tomorrow night in the theater here in Lexington, Kentucky. And in a nutshell, like, what's it about? Uh, in a nutshell, it's it's five short films uh, featuring all the killers, the main killers in horror today, which is Freddy and Michael and Jason and um, Ghostface and Leatherface. And so it's just five short films that's been put together in a, um, about a 15 to 17 minute film for each one, put all into one. So, And looking at the table, you, Don the iconic hockey mask of Jason Voorhees. What's that been like? I mean, you talk about picking up iconic roles. Stepping into that kind of character, it's, it's pretty intense. Absolutely. Being able to play this character that does not speak, you have to show everything through emotion and through uh, the way you walk, the way you kill someone, the way you just the, the mannerisms of Jason. Um, I talked to Kane Hodder, uh, several about a year ago maybe a little more and he kind to he kind he was a kind enough to explain how he did it how he walked how he did all of the stuff so that kind of helped me plus i went back and watched every friday the 13th there was out just to get the mannerisms of the jasons throughout the years um I did put my own spin to it because I am my own actor and I take my characters very seriously and I turn them into what James Stokes wants that character to be. And so far it's worked out for me very well. Um, I was very humble to get to play this part. Uh, it is a very iconic horror character that everyone knows just by the the mask alone. So it was, it was very humbling to me to be able to play this part. And you're not a small dude. I mean, you're pretty jacked. Yeah, I, well, I work out. I'm 51 years old, so I have to stay in the gym. I stay in the gym six days a week uh, just to stay competitive with the market. Um, I am a professional actor. That's all I do now. I, I no longer have any other jobs. So um, if I want to stay competitive, I have to uh, look the part. You look it. <laughs> oh, thank you. But thank you so much. Thank you. So just kind of walking around here again, and who do I find but friend of the show and multiple-time guest from Reunion from Hell and Reunion from Hell 2, Hayden Newman. Hi, everybody. How are y'all? So how's the convention going for you so far? How's everything going? It's been going really good. A lot of people have learned about the film that didn't know. A lot of them are very interested and excited to see the second film and have picked up the first film. It's been very good. And then tonight you have you know, a big reunion Q&A you know, with you and Chris and Danny and Lisa Wilcox, which we'll get some audio on that later. But how's... You know, How's that? How's that feeling? You know, I mean, this, this everybody from set getting back together, just kind of bullshitting about the film. It's exciting, uh, you know, for us all to be able to talk with a group of fans, and a lot of Nightmare on Elm Street fans, of course, are here because of who all's here this weekend, and it's exciting to for them to learn about the film that didn't know. 
Right. I say this this whole weekend is like a reunion. I mean, there's the Hills Have Eyes reunion, the Nightmare reunions. I mean, there's Friday the 13th reunions. There's reunions all over the fucking place. But Reunion from Hell 2 should be coming out, say, Christmassy? Yes, definitely. Um, we are in editing. Uh, if, if you haven't checked out the music video yet for the official theme song, check it out. Uh, I'm very happy for the band Fire Tiger. It's become a hit for them. And um, that song's called Reunion from Hell. Obviously, Reunion from Hell. So, An exclusive clip that nobody has seen. And um, y'all are also going to see a trailer for the film. Then we're going to come in and we're going to do the Q&A. And after that, y'all will see one more thing. So, enjoy. Dan and Lisa, like, so this was the first time, if I'm right, the first two that you've been on screen together since Nirvana on Street? That's true. Yeah, so, the other day, yeah, it was a little uh, kind of a reunion for Nightmare on Elm Street, Mark Patton is in the film as well. Mm-hmm. And even though we weren't in the same movie as Mark, but it was like a little Nightmare on Elm Street reunion. Yeah, three of us. Yeah. So much fun. Oh, now we can get the party started. Yeah, now we have the lights up. <laughs> You're right. We haven't worked together since Nightmare, so it was kind of and, hard. And we, I mean, we've seen each other from the conventions, sure. and then uh, uh, Danny and I did a YouTube show. I don't know if you've seen it, and I visited at previous locations uh, where we filmed Nightmare 4, and so we met me on your bike. met me at the fountain okay. in Los Feliz, and so we had screen time together now, but not acting together, you know. And you, you said you watched you watched the, 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 the previous when you when you looked at the character as playing that did you as trying to recreate what this other actors had done or you know I'm sure you're going to spin on it um, did you look at it as like a biopic as saying I need to recreate I'm, I'm playing this character and now I need to play that character or I mean how did you attack that um it really was. I watched it, but I played me, you know what I mean? And, yeah, and, and Laurel goes uh, through, you know, now with the second one, time has passed. And so Laurel has, you know, as we say, gotten over the horrible incident that happened in one. And uh, so it was, to me, I looked at it as Laurel has matured during that two-year period, let's say, between mm-hmm. one and two. Yes, two-year contract. Yeah, but it was very interesting because I couldn't help but think of you know, Tuesday night, who reprised the role of Kristen from Three, which was played by Patricia Arquette. But that, being in that situation was very interesting. So, but I think it plays out. It does, and I worked a lot with Lisa and took her suggestions, and I let Lisa do with the character what she wanted to do. Uh, I let Lisa give suggestions and say, well, I think Laura would say it this way, or... You know, we worked together on how Laurel would be two years later. So she took Laurel and made her her own. Yeah. So not only do the Hills have eyes, the convention has eyes as well, because here is Mr. Michael Berryman. Yeah, good evening, good afternoon, or whatever time of day you're hearing this. But it's Friday right now, and we're packed. I say, it is an amazing day one for a convention. I mean, you do a lot of these, I and mean, this is... This is a phenomenal day one. It's incredible. Well, you know, we can get out of the house. Uh, everything was shut down due to COVID, but you know what? We're still kicking it. And this is uh, this show, Scarefest, has been, it just grows every year because they do it right. They treat the fans right. And it's just 
fantastic. Oh yeah, and of course you're here this year for the uh, you know little Hills Have Eyes reunion. I mean, you have D Walls to your right. Janice Blythe. Janice Blythe is like, I'm drawing a blank. I know the name. It's right there on the tip of my tongue. But yeah, Hills Have Eyes reunion. I mean, it's, God. Did you guys ever think that it would be this, you know, here we are all these years, years later still talking, the Hills Have Eyes. Well, you know, Wes was just brilliant. And we, we, we didn't have much of a budget. We actually shot this in Super 16. And when it came out time to put it in a, um, on a DVD, some of the uh, film stock was deteriorating, so they put the word out to all the uh, drive-ins all across the country, and uh, that we actually found one, I think it was in Kentucky, and underneath the uh, screen there's a long corridor, and it was just the right humidity and, and temperature to preserve uh, all the film that was in these stackable film cans, and, and a guy went and he looked, he says, I have one, it's in perfect condition, so uh, Wes put uh, one of the uh, people in his office on a plane, picked it up the next day, and sent it off to... Uh, um, I, um, Anchor Bay, I think, is the ones that did the first uh, uh, DVD pressing. So and talk about and you know, they the saved need it. For, I say, yeah, talk about the need for a red eye. It's like, oh, you have it? Hold on, I'll be right there. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, he would have put him on a private jet again. Oh, yeah. Like, you go. <laughs> so not only, you know, you have Pluto from the Hills Have Eyes, but arguably your other, like, big iconic role is, you know, Cleavon. I mean, you, you out of those two, which do you rec get recognized more from? Devil's oh. Rejects or Hills Have Eyes? Well, Hills Have Eyes because it, it, it's had a longer shelf life. Um, uh, working with Robert's great. He's, you know, he's, he's got a, a good eye for camera. I love the ending, you know, Freebird, the, you know, mm -hmm. the suicide doors on the car, you know, his peck and posh, very nice. Um, the character was uh, kind of... Um, mm, uh, pigeonholed, I would say. Uh, but I think Pluto had a bigger range yeah. a, 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 as far as uh, uh, the, the entire script, and uh, and we had a subsequent, you know, p uh, part two. But I would say uh, uh, Hills is my favorite because it was right after I did Cuckoo's Nest, and the first time I was ever on a lobby car uh, on poster. And also that poster is in uh, the cabin on the wall in uh, Evil Dead, oh, which yeah. is kind of cool and groovy. Right, it's just kind of a nice big metaverse. Yeah, it is. It is. I got to do uh, uh, um, Joe Bob Briggs' show in, in, in Texas. The guy's delightful, very knowledgeable. And uh, I've been doing this for 40 years, and uh, what I enjoy about it most is, is, is the, the fans, people I get to meet. And, you know, you, 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 you meet people that have maybe two or three generations, and, and it's fun to uh, have them explain to me what it was like when their children or grandchildren saw the movie. Cause, uh, Things are different today as far as uh, technology and storytelling, but uh, it, it, uh, I would say uh, Hills Have Eyes uh, has a longevity because it's uh, it's lean. Yeah. Well, you're starting to have a line for him, so I'm going to not take up too much more of your time. I hope you have a phenomenal weekend. It's and been terrific. Hopefully, I'll have you on the show as a proper guest sometime, and we can talk about all of your uh, projects. We could do that. I actually have my memoir. If you go to uh, TikTok, MichaelBerryman.official, uh, I've got a bunch of videos there, uh, and then also uh, one posting where I read a couple pages from my memoir, which is just at the point now where I'm tidying up with my publisher and editor. So as soon as it's available, uh, hopefully soon, sooner than later, I'll let the whole world know and yourself. Oh, yeah, we'll definitely have you back on. Thank you. Thank you very much. I, I found Mr. Bill Mosley 
Chop Top, Otis, among many, many characters. How are we doing? Uh, doing well. Happy to be here in beautiful Lexington, Kentucky at uh, Scarefest. Looking at all the pictures you have on your table and going through your IMDb, you've done, like, you've run the gamut from kids' movies and Disney to horror. Like, do you have a preference or do you just sign the check and pay me? <laughs> Um, you know, I actually uh, do have a preference. I mean, I, I prefer movies that aren't uh, just uh, mean-spirited. Uh, they have to have a sense of humor, uh, at least my characters. Um, yeah, I'm not really big on, uh, you know, movies that uh, exploit women, for that matter, although a lot of women have, uh, you know, have died under my watch i gotta say but yeah. with dignity damn it right and uh you know i, I don't really uh, certainly not into hurting animals so uh other than that uh give me any kind of uh, you know any kind of uh people i'm happy to you know subject them to the chainsaw or the claw hammer straight razor and which uh which one do you get recognized more for? Would it be Texas Chainsaw or Devil's Rejects, do you think, of the two? You know, it's a real toss-up. I mean, Chop Top and Otis seem to be the, you know, neck and neck for uh, the most popular characters. They could almost be brothers. Uh, it's possible, yeah. Could be. I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure that uh, Chainsaw-inspired Rob Zombie. Oh, definitely. Uh, so... Uh, especially when you have like an old dark house movie like uh, House of a Thousand Corpses. Oh, most definitely. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm going to let you get back to making money. All right. I'm going to get back to walking and meandering. Walking and talking. Well, I'm glad this so, is a recording device. I thought maybe you had a heart monitor. It's a really big heart monitor. <laughs> big guy, big heart monitor. I was thinking it was, you know, you just kind of give yourself a little, you know, a little boost. Right. <laughs> You're not the only one. <laughs> So, you know, it, it's surprising. You're walking around a horror convention, and the uh, you, you don't expect to run into uh, John Wayne. But found one, and he's an author. Surprise, surprise, surprise. That's right. I'm John Wayne. That's my first name. Um, and that's what you call me. My last name is Caminale. It means community in Italian. Not related. All right, psychological horror, and you're here to talk to me about it. <laughs> it's it's definitely psychological. I mean, just the cover art definitely brings you in. Like, what, like what kind of stories are you telling? So, like, um, I cut my teeth as a kid on Outer Limits and Twilight Zone oh, and nice. even Amazing Stories. Um, so I really like the the kind of storytelling where you're like it was about that the whole time like that kind of stuff so that's that's what I write about like you know for instance like As Seen on TV is one of my books here on the table it's about a serial killer named Marty who's obsessed with As Seen on TV products in that he has to own and collect them all so it's not about him killing people or being a killer it's about his obsession this obsession manifests itself physically and now he has to deal with that so maybe he's not as slick as he thinks he's been all these years. I just got this image of a guy trying to go around and kill somebody with a ShamWow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and that's the thing. He's not killing people with the products. Right. 
but he just has to collect them. And I did a, I had a bunch of research on like the history of ASEAN on TV and the products and how the, the company actually works. Um, and so for the first half of the book, all of the products are 100% real, but then they start to get more magical realism attached to the, uh, the products after a while. So they get more ridiculous. Nice. And there's one, two, three, four, five, six titles currently that you have available. Is I have 13 titles available. Oh, just I, six on the. I just I have apologize. six on the table. No, 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 that's okay. I have six on the table. Like my my 13th novel uh, is called Deadline. It just came out last week. I just am on the road constantly, so I'll pick up the um, shipment of it next week when I go back swing back through Vegas. Um, but yeah, check that out. Deadline. It's fucking my newest. It's badass. I'm really proud of it. Um, it's about a voice artist who, uh, you know, is a little greedy and um, a little lazy, and uh, has to end up paying for it. I think we all know a few people like that. Yeah, and greedy and lazy. So, uh, yeah, check it out. But I have thir- yeah, I have 13 novels. I just have six here and I also play in a punk rock band from Las Vegas called John Wayne is Dead we're like one two three four Ramon style misfits like quick fast two minute songs oh nice so where can people order your books and check out the uh, band Uh, if you go to johnwayneisdead.com you edit point no john wayne john wayne is dead.com is actually the where where you can get to everything i do um you can get my books from there and i will sign them and i send extra artwork and things like that but you can also get them on amazon you can get them anywhere you get books from um and i just appreciate any and all support the music is also like the the vinyl are are all available on my website but we're on every streaming service that you have out there so just search John Wayne is dead all one word no spaces but uh, John Wayne is dead.com has like the links to everything oh hell yeah well John Wayne this has been fun and I hope you have a good weekend I will absolutely thanks for uh, uh, hanging out and talking to me for a bit hell yeah so as we've mentioned before it's a lot of reunions going on here this weekend and one of them is a nightmare reunion and from nightmare on Elm Street 4 the lovely Toy Newkirk. Oh, hello, hello, the big moose. So, how how are we doing? How's how's the show been for you this weekend? What a fabulous show! It's been so much fun. Um, busy all day, you know. Have a little carpal tunnel from signing so much, but everyone here at Kentucky Lexington's been really gracious, really warm, inviting, um, and just great stories. I love when fans come up and tell us uh, how we inspire them. It's been fun. And what's kind of like this, because re- I've been seeing them pop up a lot this year, like this reunion tour. What's it kind of been like getting together with all these guys again, just hanging out, bullshitting, and reconnecting? It's the best part of the cons. I mean, you know, um, we didn't see each other for a long time, and then there was like, I guess in 2014, 2015, we started 
doing cons, the six of us, sometimes the eight of us, meaning Rodney and Ken, like we're missing them. But then after COVID, well, COVID hit, and then we really haven't seen each other as a group. The girls have gone out, right? They've had the ladies of nightmares, but we miss our dudes. Like they, they help us carry our bags. <laughs> they, they walk us down the street. We love our Andros and Danny, so um, it's been fun. Well, and in the case of Danny, you know, you get cheap entertainment, so... <laughs> yeah, you do. Have you interviewed him yet? Fuck yeah. He's a nutcase. And then, like, and then after the cons, like, meeting you and hanging out with De Denise and um, just getting to meet some good people and just... The best part is the con. It's great. But it's the afterwards where we get to sit around a fire pit with Robert Patrick and Lance Henderson and... Robert England and yourselves and it's just a mix of people and it just feels good it's fun just get to sit around hang back and have a good time well I'm gonna let you get back to doing what you're doing and I'll probably pop in and out throughout the day because last day to hang out with you so <laughs> it's been fun hanging out with you Moose thank you so much you gave me your chicken tender the first night I was starving and on the last night I was starving you were there too so, so I'm a people magnet, and I make people starve. Yeah. This is a this is an, a weird weekend. You share the food with people who are starving. Had you had food last night, you would have given it to. You're me. right. Yes. All right. It's nice seeing you. Lisa. Yep. You know, I've, I've I've seen a lot of things at conventions, but I've never turned a corner to a wolf, and I needed to find out more. So. Can you tell me, why is why am I looking at a wolf? I'm Karen. I'm with Wolf Run Wildlife Sanctuary. We're in Jesmond County in Kentucky. And what we do is we take in animals that people probably shouldn't have had in the first place. We've taken wolf dogs, um, bobcats, coyotes, white-tailed deer that people have tried to keep as pets, and it usually doesn't work out. So we have a sanctuary that those animals can then find a home in. Um, so we have Nayeli here who absolutely has always loved people, loved being out, loves taking pictures with people, doing conventions, educational programs. We've gone to schools and colleges to teach people about wildlife. And she makes a great ambassador um, for what we're doing. So she takes pictures with people and we raise money for our sanctuary. I say she seems pretty, you know, tame and comfortable around people. A lot better than most dogs I know. <laughs> Yeah, so we rescued Nayeli. Um, the police made a man that was illegally breeding them. Um, a few got out and got shot and killed, unfortunately. Um, so he had to give up all of his animals, and there were five two-week-old puppies. So I had Nayeli and Bottle raised her from the time she was two weeks old, and we've been training and working with people ever since, and she absolutely loves it. That's awesome. Um, where can listeners donate if they uh, so see fit? Yeah, um, they can go to wolfrun.org and they can also go to Wolf Run Wildlife Refuge fan page on Facebook and make donations there. You heard it, folks. Go donate and watch for the picture because this wolf is a beauty. Thank you very much. We've talked about the movie, th this movie and the other counterparts on the podcast a lot but I've now come across Mr. Tom Matthews primarily known for Tommy Jarvis uh, Tom how you doing I'm doing great thank you 
how's the uh, convention going for you so far? Oh, fantastic. One of the best ones uh, in my 12 years of doing it. The great turnout. You know, everyone's real nice and very professional. Um, what's it like returning to Tommy Jarvis in, like, Never Hike Alone all these years later? Uh, it was uh, a natural progression. Vincent DeSanti wrote, wrote a great script, and uh, I actually signed on after I had seen the first half of it already, and I, you know, normally wouldn't have done that because it was a fan film, but the production value was so amazing, and the, and the kid was great in it, and so I, you know, I signed on to, to do it. Have you started filming too yet, or is it just in production? We've done, uh, we did the trailer about a month ago in Portland, and this is October, so we did it uh, in September, and then it's going to drop on Friday the 13th. The next Friday the 13th is in January of 2023, and it's the, it's the teaser, and it's also uh, the opening of the movie, the beginning of the movie. So, looking forward to it. I'm going to let you get back to doing what you do, and I'm going to take off, and I'll get you on the, sometime, and we'll dig deeper into your career. That sounds awesome. Great seeing you. Thanks for coming over. Well, folks, that's going to do it for our trip to Scarefest. Hope you enjoyed the interviews. Join me next month when I do a deep dive into the new vomit-inducing hit, Terrifier 2. Check out all the links in the uh, episode description. You want to find me and other great podcasters, head over to electronicmediacollective.com or just me at Moose Media Inc. on Twitter and Facebook. Till next time, horror hounds, mash on. This has been Moose's Monster Badge. Come back for more chills and thrills if you dare. <laughs>